Welcome to the Hospital Finance Podcast, your go-to source for information and insights that can help you stay ahead of the challenges impacting healthcare finance. And now, the host of the Hospital Finance Podcast, Michael Passanate. Hi, this is Mike Passanate, and welcome back to the award-winning Hospital Finance Podcast. During the latest forum of the Healthcare Executive Group, Healthcare executives from payer, provider, and healthcare technology organizations rank the top 10 challenges and opportunities that they believe healthcare organizations will face in 2020. To talk us through these issues, I'm joined by Ferris Taylor, Executive Director of the Healthcare Executive Group. Ferris, welcome to the show. Well, thank you, Michael, and uh, thanks to everyone that's listening uh, at this time, it's, uh, it's, it's always a challenge to look at the, the future and what's coming. Uh, I love one of Yogi Berra's uh, quotes, it's tough to make predictions, especially about the future. So uh, this will be a good conversation, Michael. Absolutely. I'm looking forward to it. And, uh, and, and we'll mention for the audience, this is the second time you've, you've been on the show. We looked at the top 10 issues last year, and it was, it was one of our best episodes. And so we're, ha- we're happy to have you back on the show. Um, Ferris, br- briefly, for those who, who may not be familiar with, uh, with your group, can you start out? Just tell us a little bit about your organization. I, I, I will, and I'll be brief. Uh, anyone can find out more by going to hcg.org. But uh, we're in our 32nd year, going into our 32nd year. We were founded uh, when a technology company, digital equipment, and many hospitals were running on their mini computers and like that. Uh, they disbanded their healthcare users group. And basically, that group of users said, wait a minute, we find value independent of the, uh, the sponsor uh, in networking, uh, stepping back, being able to share perspectives on the issues and the challenges and the opportunities across the whole healthcare spectrum. And uh, so the organization really exists to facilitate that, that kind of uh, exchange and dialogue and networking um, we do uh, a lot of webinars, have roundtable discussions and, and like that. But uh, we exist to help bring action to critical issues across the healthcare uh, ecosystem. Thanks for that, Ferris. And as I mentioned, uh, your group identifies the top 10 issues um, each year. And uh, really, just for sake of time, we're going to focus on the top five here. And at the end of the podcast, we'll give out the URL uh, where where our our listeners can go and and look at the entire list uh, on on your website. So why don't we start out with issue issue number one, and that's costs and transparency. Uh, What did the group have to say about that? Well, and I would love to have this be a live exchange uh, with with everybody that's on the podcast, uh, because I think every one of us have a, a different perspective and yet recognize every single one of us that uh, it, it isn't a surprise that over the years, this cost and transparency topic has has come to the uh, to the top of the list. And uh, over the year, what uh, or two years leading up to this, I go back to 2018 and cost and transparency was at the bottom moving up to the top. But I think we just recognize that um, the consumers, uh, the employers are finding it more and more difficult uh, to, to financially uh, support the cost structure that we have in healthcare. But more importantly, what our group has been talking about are what are the strategies and the tactics that are needed to ad- address to bring the synergies into healthcare 
that have come into other segments of of, uh, of our lives, uh, which delivers high quality uh, products and services at uh, 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 either reasonable costs or declining costs. And I don't know if we'll ever get in healthcare to declining costs, but um, we have to recognize across the uh, the medical and the pharmaceutical uh, side of our business and the, the administrative side of our business, that every stakeholder has a a role that they have to play. Now, at the same time, um, uh, because costs have, have have continued to escalate, then it's become a, a political issue, and we're seeing regulations or discussions of regulations. Uh, uh, luckily, there's a delay in some of the t- transparency uh, uh, requirements that are that are out there right now, but uh, it doesn't matter whether you're a hospital or a a, a provider, a physician, or a health plan. Uh, the the overhead to be able to comply with what may not really solve the problem on cost and transparency, uh, really at the heart of this is is number two on that list as well. Michael, and I know I'm jumping ahead, which is uh, the consumer is becoming more and more active every year. And they want to understand. They want to have confidence. Uh, I I heard uh, stated by a colleague, you know, the consumer really just doesn't want to get screwed in this whole process. And and yet when you see media reports of of surprise billings and, and you... Uh, you personally uh, see it. Every one of us would have uh, some experience with uh, uh, getting a bill or seeing the billed rate from uh, or the billed charge for uh, a medical condition and saying, oh, my gosh, I think uh, that cost and transparency is at the top of the list because all of our stakeholders, at least at the healthcare executive group, are re- realizing that if we don't address cost and transparency, it really is going to be difficult to get to any of the other issues in the top five uh, here on the HCG list or the top 10 or the top 15, whatever you would want to consider it. It it becomes fundamental to everything that we're doing, Michael. Absolutely. And as you mentioned, uh, number two on the list is consumer experience closely related these days with cost and transparency, because we're looking at every, every interaction that a consumer has, whether it's calling up to make an appointment or maybe making one, uh, online or, or on an app, uh, or maybe it's maybe it's how your bill is presented to you ultimately. So it's not confined to any one part of a hospital or a physician practice. It's really uh, throughout the entire continuum, right? Exactly, and 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 you said it very very well. Our and you know the the label on each of these top ten or top five is always a struggle because it. It's consumerism, it's a consumer experience, it's really the consumer's journey as you described it, from the point that I, I need to see a doctor, uh, how do I get, uh, how do I find the right doctor, how do I uh, get an appointment with the, the doctor that's appropriate for me, how do I get the, the information to that doctor that, uh, uh, or hospital that might need that information. Uh, and, and then as I engage and, and go to the appointment or have the, the surgery, how do I follow up? Uh, how can it be easy, convenient, timely, streamlined, cohesive? I can put a lot of words around that. Personally, Michael, as I step back at this and, 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 and speaking to your, your listeners, we know 
that we have done a lot of things that have made it very difficult uh, for the physicians uh, and the and the the healthcare providers. Uh, if you if you don't fit into their workflow, it just isn't going to happen, or it's going to happen at a huge cost with a lot of disruption. And I think we need to each one of us step back because we're all consumers of of health and care in some way, and think about what would naturally fit into the life flow of an individual, and you know whether it's you know, you're a diabetic, so the healthcare system is great at jumping on top of the fact that you have diabetes and you need to engage with me and, uh, and this is what you need to do and that's what you need to do. And suddenly diabetes takes over the life of that individual when in fact, you know, uh, that individual's a parent, uh, they're a neighbor, uh, they're uh, a son or daughter to their parents and uh, maybe a grandparent. They have a life, they have a social life, they have a, a work life, uh, and they have a medical condition. But uh, the discussion around the consumer experience really came to head as these top 10 issues over the years have started fitting together into, we've got technology out there. We've, we've now got a resource of data that, uh, that we didn't have before. We broadened the definition of data from just the medical data to, to include what I call the barriers to health, which are social determinants of health, but it's really the barriers to health in terms of transportation and housing and food and, uh, and heat in the home and like that. We, we have to look at the total consumer experience with healthcare. And, and I will say, even though it's not uh, a top 10 issue this year, if we don't look at that as the incumbents in healthcare, there's a lot of uh, technology companies and organizations outside of healthcare that are looking at a $3.6 trillion industry and saying, you know what? We have high consumer satisfaction. We're easy to work with. Our consumers love us. And we can do healthcare. So I, I think it's good to have uh, the Amazons and the Apples and the Googles and the uh, technology world looking at healthcare because it'll make us be better. And one of the places that we will be better is, and need to be better, is in understanding and addressing and assuring that every consumer interaction is the type of interaction that we personally would want to have. Uh, that's our measuring stick on, on number two on the top 10, I think. Could, could not agree more, Ferris. Very, very comprehensive uh, thoughts on, on that topic. Why don't we move on to number three? And, and, and while it seems a little bit different than maybe the first two, uh, it, still, it still is tied in, and that's delivery system transformation. And it's a, it's a big topic. It actually, Michael, if you look back and, and uh, listeners can, can do that at their own over the, uh, the 10 or 15 years of, of top 10 lists that we've been putting out there as HCG, this is a combination of of issues that are are coming to a head, uh, you know you don't see here directly value based reimbursement. Also, although further down in the list is you know uh, what is the next uh, what is the payment model that needs to be there? But the payment model is going to require us to do business differently. It's it it is operationalizing and scaling the 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 integration of the silos that we have in healthcare. 
uh, I, I know when I, I moved after a dozen years of being an executive in a health plan and, and moved to the hospital side for a couple of years as a, as a C-suite executive on the hospital side, it, it stunned me at how different the problems looked when I was sitting in, in the hospital boardroom with my friends and colleagues that I'd worked with for many, many years and trying to have a conversation about solutions as opposed to negotiating another dime out of a CPT code or something like that. We need to think about, we, we can't go back to where I started in healthcare. I, I was fortunate to start in the mid 80s in a staff model HMO at Harvard Community Health Plan. And you know the doctors were all part of the organization as was I, we were a closed network, it was fully integrated, everything was smooth, uh, we worked as a team. I think this delivery transformation discussion is really about bringing uh, the medical, the non-medical, the, the collaborations, the partnerships that are needed across the spectrum of what we traditionally have called healthcare and what we in the past have considered outside of healthcare, but bringing that all into an integrated, seamless, solution that works for all of the stakeholders. And as I said when we were talking about number two, Michael, uh, it's becoming critical that we have this transformation be focused on the consumer. And we all know that uh, uh, in the past, it was primarily the employer that paid the premiums. Uh, the consumer was disengaged. It was the government with Medicaid and Medicare. Uh, I, my thesis and, and my summary on this one is that that is changing. And, uh, you know, I have a quote that I use from uh, Michael Crichton's Lost World uh, book. Uh, Extinction is the inevitable result of one of two things. Too much change or not enough change. And this issue was on the top five list, Michael, because if we're not changing, uh, we're not going to be here in in five years. So uh, the whole structure of the system needs to be re-looked re at, not necessarily rebuilt, but I think we need to behave differently as stakeholders in healthcare and how we coordinate and cooperate and partner for the benefit of the consumer and the employer and the uh, the member themselves or the patient. And, and speaking of behaving differently, I think number four on the list really um, speaks to that, and that's data and analytics, kind of a, a behemoth topic when you, when, you, when you think about it, but uh, uh, something that's just becoming critically important uh, in, in order to be able to facilitate um, the delivery care system transformation and really all the other items on the list. Uh, couldn't have said it better in terms of its importance. If if I could diagram these top 10, uh, Michael, I think this data and analytics is an all-encompassing, it's a circle that covers all of them because there isn't a single issue that we're, uh, we're trying to address. We're sitting here today, just think about it, versus five years ago or 10 years ago. 10 years ago, most all of our health data was right behind that reception's desk in the physician's office in those manila folders. And it was just a wall of folders. Now, 
you know, the RF funding, the stimulus package, and the High Tech Act, and and the Affordable Care Act has moved the data into a more, uh, you know, accessible and usable format. And at the same time, when you think about the computer power, uh, you know, we're we're talking here on 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 a phone. I don't know about you, but I'm actually on a cell phone, and I have more computer power on this cell phone than than. Apollo 11 had when they went to the moon. That data set and the technology, the analytics, uh, the augmented analytics or the augmented intelligence, I, I try to stay away from artificial intelligence because it's really not artificial. It's just leveraging uh, advanced analytics and the new sources of data, not just structured data, claims data, but clinical data and non-standard uh, text data, unstructured uh, labs and uh, uh, prescriptions. And, uh, you know, we got consumers now that have uh, uh, mobile devices, they have uh, uh, Fitbits and like that, that all of that data, along with social demographic data and genomics, uh, uh, is coming together to improve the health outcomes and to reduce the administrative burdens that all of us are suffering from in healthcare, but especially uh, your uh, your audience in the hospitals and in the health plans. Uh, uh, we've got to support that transition uh, from volume to value and facilitate individuals and providers and payers in being effective uh, at at solving and contributing to improved uh, life and and well-being uh, with the uh, communities that we interact with. So I, I really do put this data and analytics, and if you look back a couple of years, uh, Michael, it was on the top of the list. It isn't that it's necessarily fallen in importance. It really has become all-encompassing and it, it affects the, the, the three that we've talked about in terms of the consumer experience and cost transparency and delivery system transformation, but it also affects uh, a number of those on down the list of the HCG top 10. And rounding out num the, the, the top five on the list, which is, I would say, a closely related topic, is interoperability and consumer data access. And, and I would say, and we were struggling labeling this, uh, for years, interoperability has been a word out in, in the healthcare system. And, uh, you know, systems interoperability, because of uh, legacy systems and every, uh, every health plan, every hospital, every physician's group has a little different uh, uh, infrastructure in their uh, uh, back office in the technology that they're using. I, I, I think the interoperability part of number five Michael, is really saying that there's a new type of interoperability, and that interoperability is more data liquidity. If we can't have systems work together, at least we can have the data flow smoothly, more, more smoothly and more seamlessly than it flows right now. But this also came, came onto this list uh, with the announcements uh, last, uh, if I remember right, late January, early February from CMS uh, putting their, and they'd spent billions of dollars on interoperability as a topic, but uh, 
putting their support behind open source platforms and APIs. Uh, uh, I, I like to say that this topic became, got on fire, but FHIR, as opposed to burning fire, that, that really, and, and again, it kind of ties back to that consumer experience, but really what this is heading towards is integrating and improving that exchange of uh, member and payer and patient and provider and everything else data in a way that brings value to the stakeholders and especially to the consumer. Um, you know, healthcare is still not close enough to being real time. Uh, you know, I could go all the way back up to the talk and, and top and talk about transparency and the fact that uh, just having a hospital uh, publish, uh, you know, their negotiated rates on uh, on 300 codes isn't going to solve any of the real problems. Uh, what what the what the patient or the consumer wants to know when they walk into the hospital is uh, where am I at on my deductible? What am I going to pay for? What's uh, uh, you know, is is the is the full team going to be uh, uh, part of my network? Uh, is there, do I have to ask if the anesthesiologist is moonlighting and outside of the network and I'm going to get a bill on that? We want all of that to be as close to real time as possible and to be um, uh, cost effective. And in, in my mind, for it to be cost effective, it really needs to be digital. Um, I could step back uh, a bit, and we could talk on another podcast more about this, but I think healthcare is in the process uh, of moving from an industrial age to a digital age. And part of that transformation, part of that transition is in the industrial age, um, and it doesn't matter what the industry was, it was all part of uh, efficiency. It was Adam Smith you know, division of labor and get all of the parts doing their part just as efficiently as they could and as cost effectively as they could. And that created a, an environment uh, of, of almost command and control. And in some ways, at the heart of our healthcare system, our transaction is simple. It's a doctor and a patient behind a closed door or in a, an operating room. That's a simple tra transaction. But we put all of this other stuff around it. And, and in fact, if we can't move to a digital age where that flows electronically and the right data and the right information, the right tools, the right resources are at the physician or the surgeon's hands and in the hospital to be able to uh, in a cost-effective way, address the medical condition that's, that needs to be addressed. If we can't do that, we're going to fail. Now, on the other side, I'm very optimistic, Michael. And you know, some of these issues, when you talk about them, they seem to sound like we're, we're being critical of where we're at. I, I have a, a reason to be very optimistic. I think that you know, 20 years ago, the uh, crossing the chasm and uh, and the the studies have said 30 to 50 percent of the healthcare spend was waste and duplication. More recently, that number's down to 20, 25 percent. It's much less. We're getting better at this, but I think it's incumbent upon every single stakeholder in healthcare to step back and every decision that we make, ask ourselves the the question: 
is this in the best benefit of the, I, I would broaden it then to broaden it from consumer or patient or whatever it is, is it the best interest of every American that we have? And if we take that broader view, then the political discussions come into focus very differently. The, the difficulties in working together take a very different perspective. Uh, I, I happen to have uh, 13 grandchildren, and uh, over Thanksgiving, I, I got the opportunity to go to Frozen 2 twice. And there's a, there's a line in there where the heroine where Anna says, you know, at that moment in time, what is the next best right decision that I can make. And I think all five of these top 10 things uh, really have opportunities for every one of us as stakeholders to say, what in this moment, what is the next right thing that I can do that would be the best thing for uh, Americans across the country? If we have that as a measuring stick, then these five and all of the other top 10s that we talked about in over the years, uh, Michael, will come together into uh, solutions that will really allow us to be uh, healthy, wealthy, and wise. So uh, that, I guess, is a summary of my message on the on the top 10, unless you pick something else out, up from the conversation. No, well, uh, all well said, um, Ferris, and, and we've really only scratched the surface just going through the top five. Uh, but for those in our audience who'd like to read about the entire list uh, on, uh, for your top 10, as well as previous year's top 10s, uh, where can they go? They can go to hceg.org, and there's a, a, at the top of the menu is a top 10, and it'll show the 2020 list uh, along with uh, each of the years prior to that. There's, uh, uh, and there, there's also, we have white papers, we have different resources, uh, and uh, it's, HCEG uh, exists just to help facilitate these discussions, number one, but these discussions to take us to action. Uh, which is is why I, I really wanted to issue that challenge for all of us to look at what we're doing. It'll be the little things. It won't be great big things that change healthcare. It'll be the little things that each of us do with respect to these top five in our day-to-day -day lives that will make healthcare better for all of us. So uh, with that, I wish everybody a, a happy holiday season um, and, and the best of success in 2020. It's uh, we may be all wet by the time we get through 2020 on these top five, but uh, I think, uh, Michael, it's a good place to start. Well, it's always a pleasure talking with you, Ferris, and, and thanks again for bringing your insights to the Hospital Finance Podcast today. I appreciate it. Have a good day. If you have a topic that you'd like us to discuss on the Hospital Finance Podcast, or if you'd like to be a guest, drop us a line at update at Bessler.com. This concludes today's episode of the Hospital Finance Podcast. For show notes and additional resources to help you protect and enhance revenue at your hospital, visit Bessler.com forward slash podcasts. The Hospital Finance Podcast is a production of Bessler. Smart about revenue, tenacious about results.